Let's talk about the Inequality Act on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and uh, I've been teasing over the last couple weeks as I have released the last two podcasts entitled uh, Gender Identity Crisis and Stop the Bleeding, uh, that I wanted to talk about the Equality Act, which is a piece of legislation that is be uh, that just has been passed by the House and is being brought before the Senate. And, uh, and I, I wanted to lay a foundation of, of really a cultural response from a Christian perspective uh, approaching this issue of gender identity, uh, the LGBT community, uh, and the fact that always the answer is love, love and compassion. And the most compassionate thing that we can do is to get involved in their lives and and find out some of the hurt and pain that's there so that we can bring real healing. That's why we're here on this earth. I want to share a few things before I get into this because I always forget at the end because I get too involved and too emotionally uh, ramped up as I begin talking about these topics. Um, I did take my uh, advanced life support class as I that I alluded to last week in the Stop the Bleeding podcast. I did pass, so I get to continue to work in the emergency room and uh, maintain my uh, gainful employment. Uh, so I did pass that, so that's good. I want to remind you to uh, go to pushbackculture.org. It is the website that has been created for this podcast, which allows easy access um, to uh, the uh, podcast as well as to the YouTube videos if you'd like to see my smiling face as I talk. And I please would ask you to just prayerfully consider donating uh, specifically for the purpose of this podcast. This is listener supported. Uh, this is a, a branch of our ministry. And uh, it's super important uh, to me uh, that we can be uh, financially sustainable in that regard. So if you appreciate this, even if it's just a couple dollars an episode, uh, I would really appreciate that. And it also would just encourage me as well. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe uh, either on YouTube or in the podcast uh, realm, because that really helps us. And as I mentioned last week, it's very important, especially on Facebook, that you share this content, because as you well know, some of this is being suppressed uh, and censored. And of course, we're talking about very specific cultural issues important, sensitive issues. And I'm not going to back down from that. I want to have a courage as we enter into the realm of culture and into this world because I love this country. I love this world uh, because I've been sent here to be a minister to it. And that's why uh, we're here and it's why everybody is here and it's our mandate. It's our mandate. So, I want to talk about this current legislation uh, referred to as the Equality Act. Uh, I believe this was tried uh, to be pushed through before, uh, got voted down. Um, now, certainly with the new administration, uh, there is a, 
uh, a um, boldness uh, connected to it to try to get this to pass again. It did pass in the House. It's gone before the Senate. Uh, the I want to remind everyone, though, before we dive into this from a political legislative standpoint, uh, that the LGBT community is not the enemy. I think it's just critical that I keep coming back to that, that it's about love and compassion. And unlike our secular liberal counterparts, we need to actually care about them and not use them as a political pawn. Now, make no mistake about it that we have been born into a war. We are here because we are battling principalities and powers. The Bible's clear about that, that our battle is not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And the, and the strategy of the enemy uh, is to weaken the opposition, which is also our strategy, by the way, too, <laughs> to weaken the opposition. That's what we're here for. That's what we're born into a war. And the Equality Act, unfortunately, I believe is a political opportunity or seen as a political opportunity to do just that, weaken the opposition. I don't believe it was formulated to help the LGBT community, just like I mentioned on last podcast. In fact, I believe, and what we'll talk about a little bit today, is that it puts them in harm's way. I don't think it helps them at all. There is a, a, a sinister uh, uh, behind-the-scenes plan, I believe, to erode religious freedom, which I'm happy to report in a weird sort of way that religious freedom must be seen as a threat to a radical liberal agenda. So, hallelujah, I guess we're such a threat that we need to be censored and suppressed and eroded of our freedoms. So that's good. <laughs> Let's take that as a minor victory and maybe even as a war cry to continue the battle and not lose heart. So I want to run through a list of concerns about the Equality Act because on face value, that sounds good. I'm for equality and I'm for an equal playing field. You're going to hear that a lot over this week and probably next week as well. Equal playing field. When we talk about health equity, I mentioned I'm on the committee at the hospital, uh, the health equity committee. It's about creating a level playing field, and I, I believe that is super important. But this uh, act that's before uh, Congress explicitly erodes the protections of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which ironically was championed by President Bill Clinton back in 1993. And it actually set a very high bar for any government action that would violate the right of free exercise of religion. So thank you, President Clinton. But this act is actually created, this one currently before Congress, to actually erode those protections. I'm quoting frequently Monica Burke, who wrote Seven Reasons Why the Equality Act is Anything But... And it was written uh, in the middle of 2019, interestingly, but is now back before us again. And so let me just go through a few of those things that she laid out, but I think is an important, and I organized them in a way to, to get our brain around some of the main issues. So again, we can talk about these with our fellow Americans and so that we know exactly what we're dealing with, that we don't just say, oh, it's an equality act. 
So number one is it would penalize Americans who don't affirm new sexual norms or gender ideology. There's a man named Jack Phillips, and maybe you're familiar with him. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court um, after the Colorado Civil Rights Commission accused this bakery owner of discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation. When the self-described cake artist declined to create a custom cake to celebrate a same-sex wedding. The Supreme Court actually ruled in favor of Phillips, but the law in question, the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, was remained intact. And Phillips was just one of many Americans uh, who lost income because of their belief that marriage is between one man and one woman. There's other cases involving florists and bakers and photographers and wedding venue owners and videographers and, and uh, public servants and web designers. These cases are just the beginning. The same policies used to silence disagreement over marriage can be used to silence disagreement over the biology and the reality of sex, the biological reality of sex. Number two, and this one just floors me. I can't get my mind around this. It actually would compel speech. Let me give you an example. Virginia high school teacher Peter Vlaming lost his job for something he did not say. Just reading from the article, a community school board voted unanimously to fire the veteran teacher over the objections of his students after he refused to comply with the administrator's orders to use masculine pronouns in referring to a female student who identifies as transgender. He did his best to accommodate the student without violating his religious belief that God created human beings male and female. That's not just a religious belief, by the way. It's a biological truth. Using the student's new name and simply refraining from using pronouns altogether. Unfortunately, the school considered this a violation of its anti-discrimination policy. Incidents like these would increase under federal policy proposed in the Equality Act. Both federal and private employers would face costly lawsuits if they failed to implement strict preferred pronoun policies. Employees could be displaced if they failed to comply regardless of their scientific or moral objections. It's hard to believe that that's what we're talking about here today. Many of these hit very close to home because, number three, it could shut down charities. My wife and I run a charity GoFam Ministries, and we minister to families, marriages, and parents. But for instance, foster care and adoption agencies, drug rehabilitation centers, and homeless centers already face challenges under state and local policies on sexual orientation and gender identity. In Philadelphia, just days after the city put out an urgent call for 300 additional families to foster children, the city halted child placements by Catholic Social Services because the organization's belief that every child deserves both a mother and a father. Although same-sex couples have the opportunity to foster children through the state or every other agency in Philadelphia, the city canceled its contract with Catholic Social Services while children languish on the waiting list. A federal sexual orientation and gender identity law would make the situation a national phenomenon which could spell disaster, listen to this, for the 437,000 children in foster care nationwide. What about a ministry like mine? What about us taking a stance that we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and, and we minister from that standpoint? We're not against anything in our ministry. We are for healthy 
marital relationships, which which everybody should be for. But will, would it be considered hate speech? Or are we going to be considered bigoted if we don't comply with the things that we say or don't say? Number four, it would allow more biological males to defeat girls in sports. There is actually, I believe, no better example of the absurdity of the topic and how this topic stomps on others' freedoms, like women's rights, interestingly. And I would love, I find it so interesting uh, how this has been drawn out in sports specifically. It's a great example, such a great example that I'm actually going to talk about it in the next podcast and not spend too much time talking about it here because I believe this transgender um, injection into the conversation of high school, uh, sports, uh, locker and bathroom facilities, I think is fascinating. And we need to uh, understand it completely and, uh, and embrace it. So I'll talk about more of that next week. Number five, it could be used to coerce medical professionals. I told you that this was this hits home to me. That's why this is such an important topic. So listen to this. Under state sexual orientation and gender identity laws, individuals who identify as transgender have sued Catholic hospitals in California and New Jersey for declining to perform hysterectomies on otherwise healthy women who wanted to pursue gender transition. So basically an elective hysterectomy for no particular medical reason. My friends, we we were actually, uh, you know, we took an oath when we, decided to practice medicine to do no harm to actually that's it's actually the first mandate given to physicians and medical professionals is that our first thing that we do is do no harm a surgical procedure for a non-medical purpose is doing harm to our patients if these lawsuits succeed, medical professionals will be pressured to treat patients according to ideology rather than their best medical judgment. That's just one example of a surgery, not to mention the incredible uh, conversation and, and uh, sticky situation that goes along with hormonal treatment and hormonal management and, and when is the appropriate age and when is a child uh, in decision making and all of the different layers that go along with that. I'll talk more about that in a second as well. Number six, six it could lead to more parents losing custody of their children. Now, this isn't hypothetical. Again, they give an example. The politicization of medicine, according to gender ideology, will create more conflicts among parents, doctors, and the government. A federal sexual orientation and gender identity law would jeopardize parental rights nationwide. In fact, the current issue of the American Journal of Bioethics includes an article arguing that the state should overrule the parents of transgender children who do not consent to give them puberty-blocking drugs. This has already happened. In Ohio, a judge removed a biological girl from her parents' custody after they declined to help her quote-unquote transition to male with testosterone supplements. After the Cincinnati Children's Hospital's Transgender Health Clinic recommended these treatments for the girl's gender dysphoria, the parents wanted to pursue counseling instead. Then the county's family services agencies charged the parents with abuse and neglect and the judge terminated their custody. What? 
this gets my blood pressure to boil because I, I feel like, you know, number one is that they, the parents actually wanted to help her with counseling. Remember our last conversation about this. These are, these are children and young adults who are in pain. And, and this, the Cincinnati children's hospital wanted to treat her general dis, her gender dysphoria. Dysphoria means sadness, depression with male hormones. And then custody was removed because the parents actually wanted to help them. Instead, were treated as abusers. Similar cases are proceeding through the courts with children as young as six years old. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, studies show that 80 to 95% of children, listen, no longer experience gender dysphoria after puberty. Huh. Politicizing medicine could have serious consequences for children who are exposed to the unnecessary medical risks of drastic Therapies. Can you imagine a six-year-old receiving hormonal therapy and having their lives permanently altered? And number seven, it would enable sexual assault. A complaint under investigation by federal education officials alleges that a boy who identifies as gender fluid at Oakhurst Elementary School in Decatur, Georgia, sexually assaulted Pashka Thomas, five-year-old daughter, Pashka Thomas's five-year-old daughter in a girl's restroom. The boy had access to the girl's restroom because of the Decatur School transgender restroom policy. School authorities refused to change the policy even after Thomas reported the assault. Eventually, she decided to remove her daughter from the school for the girl's emotional well-being and physical safety. My friends, obviously, this Equality Act has layers of dysfunction built into it that would be not only non-beneficial to the LGBT community, but harmful to the remainder of our culture. And here's the crazy part, is the polls don't even show that the majority of people even remotely support this. This is a political opportunity by the, by the few trying to impose their will on the majority. Parents should lose custody of their children because they refuse to allow their children to use puberty-blocking drugs or cross-sex hormones. 73% disagree. Business owners should be forced to pay for sex reassignment surgeries that might violate their beliefs. 69% disagree. Doctors or nurses should be forced to perform sex change surgeries or indiv on individuals who identify with the opposite sex. 68% disagree. A man that feels like or identifies as a woman should have access to women's bathrooms, locker rooms, and other sex-specific spaces. 63% disagree. 65% support giving nonprofits and charities freedom to choose how to serve. This is not a popular thing, not a popular act. The Equality Act defies actually the purpose of anti-discrimination laws. You know, the original Civil Rights Act was actually enacted to protect African Americans from being denied access to material goods or services. It's called leveling the playing field. That's why it was created. This does the opposite. This doesn't serve any of that purpose. The Equality Act 
is used as a sword to attack people and force them to adopt new ideologies about human sexuality. The extreme and dangerous legislation would create unprecedented harms to businesses, charities, medical professionals, women and children, and entire families, which you know that I care very much about. So the purpose of this podcast isn't just to complain. It isn't just to scream and run around like raving maniacs, crying out about the injustices of this world. No, it's to give language to my listeners to be able to thoughtfully and and and, and informationally convey this to others, to be informed. It also is, is created to understand that we are here for real change. As ambassadors of heaven, we are the ones that actually carry the culture of heaven here on this earth. So a couple things that we can do. We can write our senator. It's before them right now. And I would encourage you to be personal. How this impacts you. Talk about your daughters. Talk about your sons. Apparently 60 votes are needed, something about a filibuster, which I'm not politically savvy enough to explain that, but 60 votes should be a challenge, you would think, with a 50-50 split in the Senate. So I'm hopeful that this will be defeated in the Senate. But we need to be vocal on a local level because this affects every aspect of our lives. My life in the clinic, my life at home with my family, uh, and the safety of me and my family and my, my wife and my children in public areas and restrooms. We need to get in front of the school board and express our outrage and actually threaten to pull our kids out of school because that will make people listen. That is where funding comes from. The almighty dollar. And in fact, I like to even talk about what I call capitalism activism. <laughs> it happened once. Remember when the Target stores talked about having, you know, gender neutral bathrooms? Guess what? People stopped going to Target. And within days, their stocks began to plummet. And within days, their CEO all of a sudden did what I call the backpedal two step. <laughs> Well, we weren't really implying that we were going to do that now. We just want to be sensitive. And they completely backpedaled because of the almighty dollar spoke louder than common sense, apparently, to many of these people. See, my friends, we set the culture. Activism is one way of doing it. Being louder than the opposition is a way of doing it. But really the point in doing it is, is that we're here. That we have dominion here on this earth. We are the ones who represent the Father's heart. And unless we engage our culture, unless we tell them how we feel, they'll never know. And they'll, they'll think that it's actually some sort of endorsement for what they're doing. And we know that it's not in our heart. So begin talking about it at your dining room table with your kids. Begin talking about it at church. Begin talking about it around the water cooler at work. Don't be afraid to express your opinion with honor and with compassion because it's about heart. It's about heart and compassion and there is no law against love. So be proactive. 
Understand that this is before our Congress today and pray. Pray. We are the ones. So let's go together now and be the ones to set and shape the culture. <laughs>